0: Well, it's good to be here tonight, and I'm grateful that you've come out on this Monday night uh, to gather around the Word of God. That is a choice, and I'm thankful that you made that choice. I know some of the students. Uh, you were told to be here, but I know that you're here because you want to be, and uh, so that's, that's really great, and I am thankful to have my family along. We drove up late last night after our services last night. We had a sweet time around the Lord's Supper and uh, then got on the road, and God gave us good, uh, good traveling. But why don't you? Why don't, could I have my family just stand Really quick, I know they'll love me for this, but I'm grateful to have my family uh, with us. My son, Jack, is growing like a, a sprout, um, realizing he is, he is gonna be seeing me eye to eye, and uh, it's amazing how fast that happens. But I'm very grateful for my family being with me. Some people, you could be seated, uh, some folks asked, so you can bring your family up, so there'd be mutiny if I did not, because they wanna see the, uh, the cousins, and so it's a good time for them to be able to get together. And yes, it is always fun around the house when you get a bunch of cousins together. But well, we're grateful to be here tonight, and uh, the Lord is already working in this. I listened uh, last night in the drive up, I listened to the message that Brother Bob brought last night, and I, I uh, echo just the importance of, of having right relationships, and really, it's amazing how fast Satan can use um, hurt relationships to destroy any group of people, and he loves to divide. Aren't we seeing that in our, in our world today? There's so much division. Everywhere we look, there's division. And it ought not be the case among the people of God. And so let's take these things to heart. My burden in, uh, in these times that I have uh, with you all is to look into the book of Daniel and to carry a series through those first six chapters and just look at the life of Daniel. I've entitled this Living in Babylon, Lessons from the Life of Daniel. We truly are living in uh, Babylon-like days uh, where it's always been the case that the world has been against God. And Jesus said that the world hates me, and it's going to hate you because it hates me, he said. And so we do live in Babylon-like days, just the perversion that is all around us, and it's just, it's just commonplace, it's expected, and uh, sometimes Christians get worn down about, uh, about these things. And so it's important for us to look into the Word of God and see how Christians or how followers of God in the past dealt with these matters and how they stayed true to the Lord. Tonight's message, I really want to deal with this this matter of commitment, total commitment to the Lord. Earlier today, we dealt with the the matter of being unmovable, uh, having your stand on the Word of God, knowing where you stand. But tonight, I believe that Daniel illustrates for us some commitment to truth. And so I invite you to find Daniel chapter number 2 and verse number 1. And I also ask you to stand here and uh, let's read the Word of God, verses 1 through 13 to start with. Daniel chapter number 1. Daniel chapter number 2 and verse number 1. And once you're there, let me know that you're awake here on this Monday night and say a good hearty amen. amen. There you go, you're alive. So I'm grateful for that. All right, I'm going to read, you follow along. The Bible says this, Daniel 2 and verse number 1, and in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep brake from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king. In, the Syria, in Syriac, O king, live forever, notice that, O king, live forever, tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the thing is gone from me. If ye will not make known unto me the dream, with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. Very nice guy. Someone you want to serve and be around and have coffee with. Verse number six, But if ye show the dream and the interpretation thereof, ye shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show of the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know of a certainty that ye would gain the time because ye see the thing is gone from me. But if ye will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you, for ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me till the time be changed. Therefore tell me the dream and I shall know that ye can show me the interpretation thereof. The Chaldeans answered. Before the king said, there is not a man upon earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asks or asks such things at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king requireth. And there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this cause, the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows. If you remember, they had been promoted to being wise men. They were included in that whole bunch. I want you to look down at verse number 47. And I want you to see how the end of the, the chapter, do you ever read a book and go to the end of the, the last chapter to see how it ends? All right, let's, let's see how the scenario ends. Verse 47, the king answered unto Daniel and said of a truth, it is that your God is a God of gods and Lord of, Lord, uh, Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing that thou couldst reveal this secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon then Daniel requested of the king and he set Shadrach Meshach and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon but Daniel sat in the gate of the king it's pretty interesting how we we start off with these guys about ready to lose their lives because They could not give the king the answer. We come to the end, and Daniel is being set up, and he's being revered, he's being respected, he's being lifted up because of how God used him. How did we get from point A to point B? How did we get there? And I proposed to you tonight, it was a commitment of truth on Daniel's part that led him from a very, very difficult circumstance to a very, very positive outcome, but it was all to the glory of God. We're going to study that tonight. Would you be seated? And let's take a moment to pray and ask the Lord to help us this evening. We need him, so would you bow with me tonight? And let's ask him for his help. Our Father, we're grateful on this Monday night to gather together in this place as your people. There's no other other reason that we, from all walks of life, from different places in the country from different places in this community, should be together in this room except for the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, our hearts are hungry tonight for your word. Lord, it's, it's something that we need you to accomplish. We need you to feed us with heavenly manna. We need you to strengthen us with might in the inner man. We need your Holy Spirit to work here, I need him. And so Lord, I ask for your anointing and your enablement, liberty, But I do pray that you would accomplish your will. As your will is always accomplished in heaven and we're grateful for that. I pray that you would accomplish your will in this this meeting. And so Lord, we just submit ourselves to you. Both as preacher and listeners, we submit ourselves to you. We want you to speak to us. I also pray, Lord, if there is someone here that does not know you as personal savior, they've not yet committed their lives to you, I pray that you would stir in their hearts and that you draw them to the savior and that they would trust him tonight. Lord, we just, we give ourselves, and we ask that you would superintend this time. Hush our hearts before you, we pray, and in Jesus' name we ask, and God's people said, amen. So, Daniel is again, chapter after chapter, faced with a challenge. We learned earlier this afternoon that living in Babylon in these type of circumstances, challenges are gonna be unavoidable but our commitment or our convictions must be unmovable. Here again, Daniel, in in a real sense, a lot of these lessons overlap, and we learn tonight that Daniel was a man who was committed to his faith and committed to the truth of God's word and what God was going to reveal to him no matter what he was facing, no matter how difficult it was, No matter what he was facing and so Daniel's commitment is something we really want to understand and grab a hold of tonight and we see it and how Daniel would stand before a world leader of the day and he would declare an uncomfortable message you ever had to deliver an uncomfortable message to somebody maybe it's somebody in your family maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's someone in a hospital room. Maybe it's, it's someone that you know in the community. You've had to deliver an uncomfortable message. Daniel's going to have to deliver an uncomfortable message. There's nothing so uncomfortable as having to deliver something that cuts against someone's grain, goes against what they're doing. And Daniel's going to have to say to the king, Hey, I have a message from God but it doesn't really flatter you. It doesn't really, it doesn't really pat you on the back like you're used to everyone coming in and saying, oh, king, live forever. We want you to be uh, happy. We want you to be fat. We want you to be fed. We want you to have everything you want. We want you to be all good. It wasn't going to be this way in this message. It was going to be a message that said to the king, hey, there's other kingdoms coming, and you're accountable to God. Daniel had remained committed to the truth even in this circumstance. Now, it takes on a little bit different view when you realize that Daniel's not that old. You know, it seems that, that our culture has moved kids from growing up, you know, in their early teenage years, and you read back in the Bible times, they're getting married and having families and, and so on, and we, we, we slipped into the 20s, and now, now we still have 30-year-olds sitting at home playing video games and, and acting like this is just the normal way to go about life. So we've, we've had this whole, we've, we've, we've had this progression. But back in those days, here's, here's a young man. He was still young, but uh, there was responsibility on this young man. I believe that Daniel came into Babylon around the age of 16. Here, likely, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had been uh, leading or a king some two years. And so, so we, we think that Daniel's just about 18 years of age. How many 18-year-old uh, individuals do we have here today? So a few, all right? And so you think about that there's an incredible amount of pressure that is being put upon Daniel to conform to say the right thing just to get by. Hey it's just one meeting before the king it's just it's one a situation uh, let me let me just slip by but no Daniel remained committed to the truth. Now he's dealing with a king that had recurring dreams. And dreams weren't just, hey, they eat too much pizza. Oftentimes in the Bible times, uh, the reality is that God used dreams to communicate some, uh, some messages. And he was trying to get a hold of Nebuchadnezzar and send a very specific message to him about his life and his accountability to God. And so here he is, he's, uh, he has this, and, and Daniel would face this again later on in life, but he has this dream that's troubled him and he, he goes searching for answers. In the Bible, you can find some 21 dreams That are that are mentioned and and God used those dreams. I'm thankful today that you don't have to rely on dreams that we have the the finished and completed word of God. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? Aren't you thankful you can look into this and you can realize what God has to say for you tomorrow morning. And I encourage you to be in your word in that way and not not look to other things, but look to the completed word of God. But God was trying to get a hold and get Nebuchadnezzar's attention. And what we see here as we enter into verse number one, what we see here is Daniel is going to face this this issue this problem the king has a dream he's troubled about it he can't sleep he calls all the wise men all the astrologers all the chaldeans together to give him an answer and he wants an answer he's not going to take anything he's he is he is scouting out for funny business with these guys and he's saying i want the i want the truth i don't want you making up something i want the truth you tell me the dream and you tell me the interpretation but did you notice here that daniel was very disregarded by this group of individuals He's a part of them. The king has put him in this place, but he is not called to this meeting. Look at verse number two. The king commanded to call the magicians and astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show him the king's dream. But it's very interesting to me that that Nebuchadnezzar, while he turned to these individuals for help, and by the way, worldly individuals, people without Christ, will turn to all sorts of things for help and clarification. And the best thing that could happen to them is have a believer in their life that can bring some clarity onto their lives and to what God is trying to do in their lives. But he's turning, he's looking and seeking for answers. And by the way, church family, just understand that every time you gather together and college students, every time that you gather together in this place, there's going to be people that walk in these doors that are seeking for answers and they come here on purpose seeking something we better be ready for them. Wouldn't you agree with that? And so here he is seeking for an answer and he calls all these guys. He's going to the wrong sources. He's not going to God but God's going to uh, adjust that and help him out with that. And uh, Daniel's not called into the, into the situation. Now he, he told these guys as, as we read if, if you don't give me the answer if you don't give me the dream and the answer you're dead. You're dead meat. Uh, you're finished. And not just you. Uh, the king just added insult to injury. We're going to Uh, turn over your houses and turn them into manure pile it's it's going to be awful and so if you do you're going to be greatly rewarded it's nice to to feel like you're just uh you're you're a pawn you're just kind of being used and uh and 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 the the emotions can swing like that but uh he didn't allow them to stall for time they're saying hey a king (laughs) live forever we really want you to live forever we want you to be happy but no one asks this no one asked this to happen no king has ever asked this to happen you're just stalling you're just frauds the king is saying and uh they're they're trying to go back and forth to the, the king and it didn't work and we end up with this with this edict you guys are all gonna die and which is just really amazing to me it's it's a difficult thing when someone has that type of absolute power over over a life and it's, it's wrong, it, it just shows the, the, how far away that kingdom was from God, and it's very interesting even as kingdoms in our world um, step away from God, they, they value life less, don't they? We're watching that in America, the, just the devaluing of life, people in high places working about to take life, but none so bad as, as clinics all across the cities of our nation that there's no valuing of life. No value. Well, here this king is, you're, you guys are all dead. You're, you're done. Uh, I've seen through it. They're all sentenced to death. And that's the first time that Daniel hears about it. If you're going to be held responsible for something with your life, wouldn't you like to have heard about it? Wouldn't you like to at least have had a chance to say something? And so knock on the door and, and the, uh, the, the chief, uh, the, the chief uh, military officer says, hey, uh, you've been called and it's time for your execution. That's a rough day. <laughs> Daniel was left out of the group, but now is being accountable, held accountable for their failure. You know, I find there's a little bit of a parallel today as the world rushes away from God and does their thing. Once the consequences of their decisions come up, then they hold even Christians accountable for it. And I find it's very interesting that Daniel, verse number 13, look at it, and the decree went forth, the wise men uh, uh, should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows, his three friends, to be slain. Who decided? Which one of those magicians which one of those sorcerers which one of those the, these guys that practice witchcraft and and curious art and magic which one of these guys says you know what we're not telling Daniel don't clue him in. Don't give him a phone call. Don't give him a text. We're not cluing him in. Mom's the word. We'll go take care of this on our own so we can finally show the king that we're something and, and we can stop allowing the king to favor, uh, show favorites to Daniel. That, Daniel wasn't called in. His three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't called in. You know what I learned here? Those who are going to make a difference in a secular culture are oftentimes rejected and considered outsiders. You know, the world really thinks that a crowd gathering together for a service tonight, it's a laughable thing. They mock it. In their family gatherings, they mock it. They think you're wasting your time. I have folks that have just recently come to, to Christ and, and they're walking through some of the, the navigating through family dynamics and it's hard to hear them say that my family feels like I'm wasting my life. They're not. But you'll be considered an outsider if you stand for truth. If you remain committed to the truth. And here are these guys. It's vivid. They are left out. No one wants them. They didn't get the phone call. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with not being accepted by a secular culture? You're going to be tested on that. You're going to be tested. Young men, you're going to go to a town and you're going to pastor. You're going to be tested on that. You're going to go to a mission field. You're going to be tested on that, left out. Other people get the invitation, but not you. They don't want to hear what you have to say but you get caught up in the consequences of it. There's a real sense with the Apostle Paul, he says, I die daily. We have to die to the desire of being accepted or finding acceptance in secular culture. We have to remain committed even if we're left out and we're considered outsiders. So Daniel is disregarded. But notice, Daniel remained calm in this, verse number 14, and Daniel answered, with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said, Ariok, the, uh, to Ariok, the king's captain, why is this decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. You know, he didn't have to do that. I believe over and over we see illustrations of Daniel having received or gained the respect of people in the kingdom. People who did not know God, people who were godless, but they respected something inside of Daniel. You be a person of integrity and commitment, the world will respect that. Though they may not agree with it, and they may want to uh, have times where they don't include you in, but here he is given this time before Arioch. Remember, the king's furious. This, this decree, kill them all. Get rid of them. Turn their houses over. Bring in the bulldozers. Proverbs 15, 1 says, a soft answer turneth away wrath. You know, we need to remember that today. Carnal Christianity answers the fury of the world with, with heat and anger, spouting off. I'll tell them off on a Facebook Live. No, 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 no. Soft answer. Look at verse 16. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time, and I want you to catch this, and that he would show the king the interpretation. Now, he desired it. Similar in chapter number one, we find Daniel appealing. We need to learn the art The grace of appealing, asking questions. Daniel did. He asked for more time. But what I really want us to catch here is that Daniel was calm. And Daniel's calm in this moment, this very tense moment. The king's ready to kill him. I can't believe that there was even an opportunity for Daniel to stand in front of the king and ask for this. But Daniel was calm in this moment. And it really evidenced the fact that Daniel was very confident in his God. Because you look here and you realize that Daniel says there before the king and that he would show the king the interpretation. Not might show or hope so, but that he would show the interpretation. That's a lot of faith, wouldn't you agree with me? That's a lot of faith. Your head's on the line, your friends' lives are on the line, your house is on the line, your, what you enjoy is on the line, and Daniel assured the king that action was going to come. I am going to do something in this regard. Not me, and we understand later on in this passage that Daniel's faith was completely in the Lord. So others said it was impossible. Didn't the, the other wise men and magicians say it was impossible? No one asked this because it's impossible. and Only the gods could undo, undo what you're asking. And here's something we can learn tonight. We must face our secular culture and its rage with God-given wisdom and calm Daniel navigated through this there is nothing that can prepare us for these these moments except learning to be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit because some of these things you don't have time to prepare you don't have time to call a lawyer you don't have time to 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 navigate it all you have to go there saying God I need you in this moment give me the words to say, well, didn't our Savior tell us when they bring you up before courts and before kings and rulers that you don't prepare and premeditate what you're going to say, I'll give it to you in the very hour. Didn't he say that? We need to remember that. There are going to be, if America continues on its same track, there are going to be people from in this, this assembly that will stand in courts for their faith. Well, do you believe that? Some of you young men, you better better prepare in your mind that you may at some point in this nation, should we continue on this track, that some of us will be in jail for preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you ready to be able to navigate, navigate through those things? And Daniel, Daniel had such calm in this and, and such peace in the midst of this, and God gives that in the middle of these type of storms. And so Daniel was disregarded, yet calm. A soft answer turns away wrath. He, he came with a solution. I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you the interpretation. But notice in verse number 17, Daniel was dependent. Daniel was dependent. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known... And please notice, to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. Daniel hadn't forgotten who they really were in the Lord. We defined their new names. Their new names aligned them with with many of the gods of Babylon. But Daniel still was interacting with his friends for who they were and their names that exalted Yahweh. And so they didn't forget their identity. They're in that household, even in the midst of, a, midst of this wicked, perverted society. Here we have these, these four young people that, that, are, that are serving the Lord and honoring him and still remembering whose they are. And so they come together. But what I find interesting is we go on verse number 18. He made the thing known to them. And what's the first word of verse 18? Say it out loud together. All right, one more time. That. This is the purpose. This is why. This is why he made the thing known. That they would desire the mercies, the mercies of God, the God of heaven, concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So his whole purpose in bringing this up is that they could ask God to show them the dream and that God would would show his loyal love, his mercy upon them and give them both the dream and the interpretation. So what I find very, very interesting here is that, that Daniel in the midst of this tense time, time is ticking, the king is angry, He doesn't have the answer. He's already issued a decree that they're all going to die. But Daniel gathers his guys together, not to form a think tank, to say, let's pray about this. Let's pray about this. Now, the world might scoff at that. Let's stop and pray about this. They might not understand why you stop and pray in your workplace or pray together they might not understand why you pray as a family but it Daniel understood that prayer mattered you see prayer is a declaration of dependence upon God every time you face something and I face something that is overwhelming to our soul the pressure's on and we pause and pray we are acknowledging I don't have it you do and friends let me challenge you you're no strangers to prayer I enjoyed the, the prayer time that Pastor Van called in the afternoon time, just people jumping in and praying. That's, that's a blessing. That's, that's a sweet thing. But it can't just be when you're in this building. So, your pastor calls you to prayer. All right, let's jump in. We know the drill. Let's pray. But what about when you get to work tomorrow morning? Or what about when you get into to class? Or what about when you have a conversation and you are overwhelmed with something, what is your first response? To get with somebody and talk to them about it? To strategize how you're going to get through it? Or is it, hey, here's the situation, let's pray about it. I get grieved when I go to prayer meetings, so-called prayer meetings, or prayer gatherings, and they never actually pray. I've been in too many pastor's prayer gatherings where I've walked away. That cannot be called a prayer gathering. I'm thankful for what the Lord has done in our church and the Lord used your pastor um, a couple years ago to help us with, with prayer. But even, even beyond that, on Wednesday nights, it's such a sweet time, just divide up the folks and they, they gather in circles and you know, they just pray. It's a blessing to watch that happen. But more than just inside of this room, what is our individual response? See, a church is made up of individuals. And a church will only be as strong as the individuals. And the prayer of this church will really only be as strong as the individuals are in their lives. We can all do what is, what is led from the pulpit, but friends, what are we doing on a daily basis? When that crushing phone call comes, what do you do? And so we learn here tonight that what you and I do under pressure reveals much about us. Think back to the last moment that you were overwhelmed. What did you do? Husbands, wives, what did you do in that circumstance? Did you, did you come together and say, we just need to pray? Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't always do that. I struggle with that, and sometimes I I realize I've gone a day, or I've I've gone several hours, I've gone a period of time where I have not stopped and said, okay, God, I don't have this. I know it now, I'm acknowledging it, and I just need to seek you in prayer on this. How many of you be with me on that? We've all been there. there's any success to be had in our homes or in our ministries, there's going to be frequent times where we have to come to points of prayer and say, all right, here's here's the problem. Let's pray about it. Doesn't mean the problem goes away right away, but we've got to pray about it. We've got to talk to the Lord about it. There might be some things that you need to talk to the Lord about tonight that you you haven't stopped to pray. Well, Daniel did, and he prayed personally. But notice that Daniel was disregarded he remained calm that's an evidence of his confidence in god but he prayed he was dependent but when god gave him the answer look at verse number 19 then was a secret revealed unto daniel in a night vision i don't know about you i would not have been sleeping the rest of the night praise the lord you know doing some doing some shouting running around the house singing and so on hey this was a good this is a good thing this meant He was getting out of the death sentence. He could live. And his friends could live. This was a good thing. God had come through. By the way, Daniel had already told the king, you're going to get the interpretation. And now God has given him the interpretation and the dream. And what did Daniel do next? He put on his clothes and he ran over to the king's house and said, here, I got it. Is that what you would have done? If we're honest, that's probably what we would have done. But notice here, look. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Now this was not a now I lay me down to sleep type of worship session. This was much more. It was a marvelous dream that God had revealed to him. Notice this this dream had to do with what was going to go on there in Babylon and we'll get to that in a moment God was going to say something very significant to Nebuchadnezzar but before before Daniel's going to go share it this marvelous dream that God had given him God showed up God broke through God did this you and I are prone to pray receive the answer and go on our merry way but here's what Daniel did look at verse number 20. Let's read this worship to the Lord verse number 20 Daniel answered and said bless be the name of the God of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the, unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep things and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my Father, who has given me wisdom and might. And hast made known unto me what, uh, me now, what is desired of, of thee, for thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. He took time to worship the Lord. Can I remind you? The king's still mad. The decree still stands, and Daniel's worshiping the Lord. It's sad to me that that American Christianity, probably worldwide now, because of much of our influence, has reduced worship to a song. But worship is living a life in balance, in balance with the truth, the revelation of God about himself. Worship is acknowledging to him who he is. You worship God tomorrow morning when you open up his word and say, show uh, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law you worship God when you're you're kind to your siblings you worship God when you're gracious and serve your 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 dorm mates even when they don't deserve it you worship God when you do according to his word what is not easy what's not acceptable in the in the world around you and it is it's, it's ridiculed you worship God when you obey him when you do the will and the word of of God so yes worship includes our song and it's a wonderful thing to be able to worship the Lord in song and give him praise in that way but worship is so much more and Daniel's just stopping and saying Lord I thank you I praise you for giving me the answer that we needed remember he prayed for God's mercy Hey, guys, we're going to get together. We need to pray for the mercies of God. The psalmist says it this way because thy loving kindness, it's the same idea, thy loyal love is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Remember to stop and thank God. Remember to stop and praise his name. To Daniel, God's loyal love showing up in this moment was better even than life itself. Time's ticking. He stopped and praised the Lord. Worship. And we should become good at worship. We should, we should seek to develop our personal and corporate worship. But Worship gives us confidence to face a secular society. Could you look at verse number 24? Therefore, Daniel went. Therefore, Daniel went. Maybe some of the reasons we don't have confidence out there is because we've not worshiped the Lord as we ought to in here and in our homes. We run off to work, we're listening to all the depressing news of the day and the next Woe Is Me podcast, and we walk in, we're supposed to be these bastions of hope and delivering God and a reason for our hope to a secular society. Is it any wonder that we struggle? to have confidence we're listening to the same stuff they listen to the same depressing things they listen to and then we're supposed to give them something and here Daniel is he he walks out to the king based on this time of worship with the Lord could I just encourage you to take time to worship the Lord let's let's put away these prayers and this 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 rote the Saying the same thing over and over. Just, just going through the motions of, 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 of what we always do. We come to the meal and, and you know people call it, we say grace. and No, it's, it's a time to say thank you, Lord. There's not everyone in the world that has food like we have. It's time to say thank you. Do you know when you pray and worship the Lord at a meal time, at work or wherever, you take time to thank the Lord? It's a powerful testimony to his name powerful um the lord began to convict me about this this matter of one thankfulness uh and i have a long way to go in it i need to be more thankful but about this matter of just praying through and and just kind of you know praying the routine and lord bless this help the service to go well etc but to stop and thank him and um we try to make it a practice to pray as a family before we turn in for the night. And, uh, and that's, that's a sweet time. But it, I especially began to notice this with uh, m- my little daughters. We, we'd start and we'd, I'd, I'd encourage them to be thankful, but also just pausing and in my prayers at night, specifically with them, to just be mentioning multiple things that I'm thankful to the Lord for, from the little things to the big things. And um, not to embarrass, but I had, I had one that, you know, always looking for something, always looking for one, one, more, th- one more thing. And, and as, as we began to give thanks to the Lord, I began to notice her prayers began to change. The other night she came to me and she said, we haven't said goodnight to God yet. And uh, so we stopped and prayed and they, they get down and it is the most blessed thing to hear them just say thank you to the Lord about everything thank you the lord for our house and thank you that we had christmas and thank you that and thank you for god and and all these things just to to stop and all of a sudden noticing that there's not any well i want this in my prayers and god give me this but it's all thank yous it's a powerful thing friends it's a powerful thing when we stop and give worship to the lord and thank him for who he is are we in that much of a rush to, um, to eat that we can't stop and say thank you for, for the things that he's given us that day? Hot water. We should all thank the Lord for coffee. Amen? <laughs> just, that, just the things that God gives us. Life today. Breath. Pause and thank him. You're gonna, students, you're going you're gonna to ask him tomorrow morning, how many of you have a quiz tomorrow morning? All right? You're going to ask him for help on that quiz. What about thanking him for giving you life and thanking him for giving a, a a place to even take a quiz? Stop and thank him. Worship him. Don't get past that. Daniel's under the pressure. We get under the pressure. But do we stop and thank the Lord? Let's move on. Daniel, Daniel was in the midst of all this, very, very humble. Look at verse number 25. And Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste. Why? Because the king's so mad. And said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name is Belshazzar, art thou, notice that, art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Now, let's just pause there. A worldly man, an arrogant man would say, well, yes, I am. Yes, I am. I got this, and I'll be able to tell you exactly what you need, king. I hope that you'll save a cabinet position for me. Hope that you'll remember this down the road. I hope you'll pad my bank account. Yes, I am. A humble man would say, the wise men could not, which is what the king knew, but my God can. And that's exactly what Daniel did if we continue on. And then Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. I'm sure that made them very excited. But there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets and makes known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what should be in the latter days. And so here he is as a very humble man before God We can't, but my God can. And he remembers the reality of who he is before before a holy God, before the God who is supreme over all all things. And notice he states this in front of the world leader of the day who cared nothing about God, who thought himself to be a God, someone to be worshipped, thought his word was more authoritative than any... Any creator God. And so let's move on as he continues through this in verse number 29. As for thee, O king. Well, let's look back up at verse number 28. But there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets, him maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what should be in his latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? And he, God, that revealeth secrets, maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. So he set this up well. It's not about Daniel. It's not about me getting in a position. I just want you to know, King, my God is the one who's giving this to you. By the way, young men, when you stand in pulpits, now in college, and in the days ahead, you better be really assured that you you are standing on this book and you can say with authority this is what god has said this is the very word of god this isn't my word this is this is this is god's word and you do it with the humility and Daniel did so, I, I, he's setting it up. He's saying, hey, it's not about me, it is, it is about him. Let's go on in verse number 30. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any, any, uh, than any living, but for their sakes that should make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. This is a great opportunity for Daniel to really position himself for, for continued power there in the kingdom, but he did not. And we do find that Proverbs tells us most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find? It's a good question. And here we have found a faithful man who's not saying, hey, I got a king, but he is saying, no, my God has this. Listen, we cannot magnify God in ourselves at the same time. And in a world of instagram and filters and all these all these different things constantly whether you even use those things or not we still live in a world that has been tainted by the philosophy of putting our best foot forward always showing off better than we are you can't magnify god and yourself at the same time guys as you step into the ministry and by the way, if God's called you in the ministry, you're ministers right now. You're just men of God in, in training. And so I, I count it a privilege to, to be in the generation with you and be alive at the same time. But as you, as you step into the, into the ministry, you just better be ready for the reality. There's going to be people that showboat the ministry. And they market the ministry. Don't get caught up in it. It's always the, the next big thing that's happening and, and the flashiness of it. Don't get caught up in it. it. You will drive yourself insane. There will always be a ministry a pastor that's able to do something a little bit better for you. When you see that, pray, praise the Lord for what God is doing and you just keep on being faithful and keep on pointing people to the Lord. So here Daniel is. He's not magnifying himself. It's all about God. Humility is a rare trait in secular culture. And I'm imagining that this king is like, what in the world's going on? I haven't had this happen in my, in my courtroom in a while. And so we must demonstrate humility before our God in a secular society. What does, what does Micah tell us? Micah 6.8 tells us that we're to walk What does God require of us? Walk humbly with thy God. In a secular society, we must walk humbly before God. No matter if everyone else doesn't, doesn't matter. We must walk humbly, just as Daniel did. Let's move on. Verse number 31. Thou king, thou king, sawest, and behold a great image. The great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. So he's setting up this dream, saying this was a pretty extraordinary dream. It's like nothing I've ever seen in this image was, was wow. It was awe-inspiring. And I want us to realize that Daniel at this point, and really we get to the meat of the message in, in, the, in, the, in the thought that, that Daniel's going to say what God has revealed to him, to the king, in this, in this moment. And he was going to declare God's word to him, not Daniel's word, but God's word to him. And and really, his whole life, his life and his demeanor, his attitude, his worshipful spirit, his calm demeanor, all these things had led to the point that enabled him to be able to say these things in the first place and be heard. And so he's going to declare God's word. And I want us to to think through and just kind of break this down quickly as we walk through this this dream. He, first of all, helps uh, the king to understand this. In verses 31 through 36, your thoughts are known to God. Now, isn't that something that we ought to remember often? Not just your words, not just your actions, not just what everyone else sees, but your very thoughts are known to God. Your murmuring thoughts, your worried-filled thoughts, your lustful thoughts, whatever it is, your worshipful thoughts, they're known to God. God sees our thoughts. Well, to this king, that was an important thing to hear an important thing for Daniel to say the king thought he was the best and uh, the greatest in the world he's the world power but here here he's saying God knows your thoughts the God of heaven my God knows your thoughts now this dream that there was a the head of of of, of gold do you remember this There was the the chest and the arms of of silver the the bell on the belly and the thighs of of bronze the the legs were of iron the feet were of uh, iron and and partly baked clay and so we have this and I I think we have a an image that kind of typifies maybe what an artist thought uh, it, it might look like but this is what happened in the dream. Uh, come back together in, uh, in, in future sessions, we, we'll see that, uh, that Nebuchadnezzar decided, well, this is a pretty good dream, I'm going to build one, and I'm going to call everyone together to worship, uh, worship it. And, but this, for now, is just this dream that he's had. And what does it all mean? It's a terrible thing, Daniel says. It's, it's an a awe-inspiring thing. But he does mention in this dream to him that this, this statue's not going to be permanent. A stone made without hands struck at the feet of the, of the statue and destroyed it like chaff to be blown away. And he tells Nebuchadnezzar, he says, listen, in verse number 37, Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. Your power, king, is God-given. I wish a few governors and a president and a few other folks in high office in our land would remember that their power is God given. That's a difficult thing to say to a guy that is high in himself. Wouldn't you agree? Your power is God-given. Your life and reign is not forever. Verse number 39, and after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee. Now wait a minute. When they walk into the king, oh king, live forever. And here Daniel is giving God's word to him saying, um, you're not going to live forever. They were trained to talk to the king. And tell him, live forever, even though they knew that was impossible. Oh, king, live forever. No, king, you're not going to live forever. That's what your dream is all about. You're not going to live forever. Uh, uh, There will be another kingdom that comes after thee. And in verse 39, he says, listen, king, you think you're in control, but actually God is in control. Uh, He removeth kings and setteth up kings and... And God was the one who had enthroned uh, Nebuchadnezzar, but after him, the, the dream goes, that after him, another, uh, uh, another kingdom would rise up, the Medo-Persian kingdom, and then the, the, Grecian, uh, the, the kingdom of Greece, or the, the, the dominance of Greece, and then Rome, and then one day, uh, there would be, uh, there, there would be a, a time where all that was broken down, and another king would come, whose kingdom is everlasting. All this to say, listen, king, God is in control of all this. He sets up kings and he takes down kings. We need to remember that. We're coming into an election year. We need to remember that. I think we should be involved. I think that we should do our our part. We We should do what God calls us to do. We should be salt and light and all those things. But at the end of the day, we need to remember God's the one that sets up kings and takes down kings. This is an unpopular truth for him to give. It cuts to the grain of Nebuchadnezzar's heart. It's all about him. No one tells him this. No one. If, if the other wise men and astrologers are in that room listening right now, they're, they're biting their nails. We've, we were dead, and now we're sure dead. Verse number 45, look at it with me. For as much as thou sawest, the stone was cut out of a mountain without hands without hands and that it break in pieces the iron the brass the clay the silver and the gold the great God has made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter and the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof is sure so what is this the Messiah it's a prophecy of the Messiah that would come one day and he would break down all kingdoms all kingdoms I believe we sang something like that they all tremble before him he 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 can set, uh, set, um, put down a kingdom and, and, and that's exactly what was going to happen. The Messiah would come and it, he would end all kingdoms of the world and rule on earth. We look forward to that day. Revelation tells us that he's going to come. I got to be in Israel back in August and we got to look over the, the valley of Armageddon and just kind of envision Jesus coming back. That's going to be amazing. And he's going, set up his, he's going to set up his kingdom there in Jerusalem, and he will rule for 1,000 years. And the Bible says with a rod of iron. It will be an absolute rule. And it will be a perfect kingdom and a perfect king. Jesus is a stone made without hand, human hands. It speaks of His divinity, his eternality. At the second coming to Earth, He will subdue all the kingdoms of this world and will rule from Jerusalem for 1,000 years. You can read about that in Revelation 11, verse 15, and on chapter 19 and verse 11, and I encourage you to do so. Encourage your hearts, friends. A perfect king is coming. Now, before then, we get to get caught up in the rapture. I trust. Maybe it'll happen tonight. But all this to say, this, this dream, this declaration did not flatter the king. It did not pat the king on the back. It did not say, hey, hey, keep on going. Do the same thing you're doing. This was a revelation from God that, that was intended to get Nebuchadnezzar's attention. And this was a very, very bold thing for Daniel to speak before the king. And ultimately, Daniel was lifting up Jesus Christ before him. the the prophecy that Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, would one day day come. And you know, most world leaders are not too too happy to hear about another king. We think about Herod, when Jesus came the first time, what happened with him? Oh, we're just going to kill all the babies two and under. Why? Just to get rid of the potential of another king. And I learn here that we must be willing to stand and humbly declare the truth of God's word to a secular culture. We must be willing to declare God's word to a secular culture even when it's not popular. And let's just mark it down, God's word is not popular today. Even among Christianity, God's word is not popular. We have our feel-good one-minute devotionals and that's what we go on they run to a YouTube channel, watch, watch one of these TV evangelists, they'll never come to a hospital room, and they go on in this from one person, I think the Bible talks about having, they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, one thing to the next to the next. The world's not clamoring for the word of God and sadly even... What is called Christianity is not clamoring for the word of God, but we must be willing to boldly declare it. Young men, you better be ready to boldly declare it. Not in the heat of your spirit. You better be anointed and asking the Lord to help you to do so. And I believe Daniel shows us that. He was disregarded yet calm. He was dependent, worshipful, and humble. He declared the truth. And I love this as we conclude tonight, Daniel was used to the Lord. What's going to happen as you stand in front of the king and say that? Listen, sometimes I think we... we we stop, we, we fall short of, of declaring the word of God because we are, we're so afraid of the consequence. And over and over, as Daniel goes through these, these chapters of his life, we see that he does the right thing, he says the right thing, he honors God, and God makes a way. There comes a point where you're gonna have to, here's the word of God, I'm standing by it. Listen, we live in a, we live in a society right now that, that is so confused about everything, recently been trying to teach and help our church to, to know how to answer a confused and a gender-confused society. Well, I stand and view people as God views people, and he made male and female, and I so respect you that I want to view you as God sees you, and so I, I believe that you're a, you're a male or you're a female. I'm not trying to be antagonistic, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand on I'm going to stand with God. Well, are you ready to deal with that? It's coming. It's all around us. For the first time, I walked into a bathroom this past week. And there was a lady in there. And I was like, oh, excuse me. And I, 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 I stepped out. That was, a, that was a first. And there was just kind of a normal commonplace. We, we're, we're in a confused society. And this book is getting more, more sustainable to them. We've got we to gotta stand with it. We've got to declare it. And what did Jesus tell us to do? We, through Paul, he said, we've got to do it with love. Speak the truth in love. Daniel was used by God. Notice this. What happened that night, what happened that night could only be a God thing. Only God could give him that dream. No one else could, no magician, only God. Uh, do you remember what it said in verse number 10? There's not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. And then they go on to say, except the gods. And Daniel was so humble before the Lord, he said, hey, it's not gonna be me, king. It's gonna be my God. And verse number 46, then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshiped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. What happened? He realizes, whoa, this has just happened. I've received my dream. I've received the interpretation. This is a big deal. No other man could do this, but you did it, Daniel. And Daniel continued just to acknowledge it was, it was God. But notice, Nebuchadnezzar got that. He understood it was God, Daniel's God. Look at verse 47. He said, of a truth, it is, that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings. Do you realize this indicates to us that um, that Nebuchadnezzar got the message from Daniel, this wasn't my doing, it was God's doing. Daniel gave glory to God. He's a revealer of secrets. Now, did Daniel get the blessing of that? Yes. Daniel was made a great man, was given position. He was able to have his, his uh, three friends uh, with him in position. Uh, many believe that Daniel was able to, to be a mediator between, uh, the, uh, between the kingdom, between the king and uh, the other captives that would be coming along um, very briefly, but he was able, with his four friends now, to rule. And now here are these guys are, who were disregarded at the start, they weren't invited to the party, but now they are ruling... Over all the rest, four followers of God in a pagan society. You know what oftentimes we try to do? We try to get to that point by compromise. And you realize that God can put you in that point when you are committed to his word, his truth, and doing right. God can put you there. You don't have to compromise something to get there. God can put you there. And it's remarkable how that God elevated Daniel up into that place, and he didn't have to compromise a thing. Not one shred of truth did he have to compromise. He got there because God put him there in honoring of his faith and commitment to the word. And shall we learn this? Before God can greatly use a man, he must be humble before his God. Daniel was just that. He was humbled, and God said, all right, I can raise you up now. I can use you in this place. You didn't bring glory to yourself. You didn't try to get my glory. You glorified me in this place, and I can use you. The Bible says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. There's a lot of pressure right now to gain the acceptance of culture. I hear a lot of Christians saying, well, I just have to go along with it. just have to go along with their story. No. We don't. We can't. We have to remain committed to his truth. And that's not easy. There are going to be times where you have people that are coming to your church and you're trying to counsel them through and help them through and the truth Hurts, and it tears you up to have to share it. But you have to remain committed. Remember, the issue isn't between you and them, it's between them and God. Here's Daniel is as a, as a helper to help Nebuchadnezzar get to God, and we'll, we'll see that this week yet, too. It's pretty amazing how God used him in that way. But don't seek to gain the acceptance of culture through compromise. Let God use you through commitment. And that's a decision we have to make before we get into the storm. Would you bow with me?